Good morning, everybody, to this service, Billericay Baptist Church, this Sunday morning. It's great to be with you as you watch from the other side of the screen. I want to thank Dave once again for recording and putting everything to, together for us and the Grimes family who've been leading us in worship. Uh, some good news uh, for you. Next week is Pentecost Sunday and it's an all-A service. You've got Tom and Charlotte. They're going to take care of that. And also after that, following that, very short mini-series uh, called Four Gospels, One Jesus. And it won't surprise you to know that's four weeks long. And Tom and I will each take two of the Gospels and just see what the theme, a little bit about the characters, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and also the, the major themes coming out of those Gospels. So we're looking forward to that. The other bit of good news, and for those of you on email would have seen this uh, last night, uh, we're looking uh, finally to begin cautiously to reopen our buildings for worship services. That will start, uh, we hope and are praying for, the end of June. Primarily, first of all, our largest venue, which is here at Perry Street. And then we're going to, by then, we'll know what the restrictions are. At the moment, we don't know. And we won't have a lot of time before those services to prepare everything. There's a huge amount that has to go on in the background. But please pray for us and, and be, be uh, excited about joining together again. We're really looking forward to it. This morning is a communion service, and so if you haven't got the elements of communion yet, um, be getting them as I, as I preach, uh, get the bread and whatever drink you choose. We'll be looking at um, John chapter 7, verses 10 to 41. Um, I'm going to work through that passage, so for ease of time, I won't read it as one chunk, um, but if you want to have a read of that before, uh, please do so. And communion's good because communion is a time to remember, a time to reflect. We're doing what Jesus asked us to do. He said, do this, take the bread, take the wine in remembrance of me. He wants us to remember what he did. And it's a time to commit, to recommit, to connect. It, we live in a, a, a noisy world. There's so many messages that come to us from the world. We're, we've got information overload. Okay, um, smartphones are constantly bleeping or whirring or vibrating, telling us there's something new we need to look at or see. Social media, it's where many people learn from. And there's a lot of good in that, but also there's a lot of falsehood in that as well. You know, and a disciple of Jesus, the word disciple means literally one who learns, or kind of like how we'd use uh, an apprentice. I'm an apprentice of Jesus. I, I want to learn from him. And this morning we need to think about, well, who are we really learning from? Am I going to choose to learn from society and Facebook and WhatsApp and Instagram and all those other things, the TV, uh, the current trendy thinking, uh, politically correct, uh, maybe even friends or family? Or am I going to say, yeah, that's all healthy, maybe, but ultimately I'm going to be learning from God. I want to be a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus. And the fact is, you can get easily swayed, even as a follower, committed follower of Jesus. You can get swayed away from his call. Remember the last few weeks we've said he's got open arms. He wants us not to be part of the crowd. He wants us to be part of the followers. And he calls us in. He's got his open arms, but he says, come and live in him, his ways, his character. And the temptation is to bargain with the call of Christ, to make it maybe a little bit easier uh, maybe to suit my preferences, maybe to manufacture what it says to suit me. And, and sometimes you can hear the, the shouts of, come on Ian, don't be too legalistic. 
But, you know, if I'm an apprentice of Jesus, I want to do what he says, what God says. I want to learn from him. Otherwise, I'm going to go down this route of Jesus says, well, love your enemies. Well, did he? Maybe he meant don't take active revenge against them. Or Jesus says, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except by me. Or maybe he meant I'm the way, but there's loads of other ways. No, that's false. He is the only way. When he says, seek first the kingdom of God, maybe he means, well, you know, you can look for other things in life as well, but please don't forget I'm here, almost looking over your shoulder. Oh, there's God, there's Jesus. You know, that's right, I'm, a, I'm supposed to be a follower of him. When he said, you'll be my witnesses, maybe he meant that for others and not for me. I quite like my church and my home group just the way it is. He wouldn't ask me to change anything and make me feel uncomfortable. When he said, forgive, maybe he meant only if they deserve it. Good job he doesn't use that for me. When he says to encourage one another daily, maybe only if I'm in that kind of mood. And there's so much to criticise anyway. Don't take away my fun. In all these things, when we embrace them, we're evading the call of Jesus, a clear call. The Bible says that when you're a Christian, you are in Christ. It's not that you're physically in him. It means that your identity is found in him. Not what the world tells you your identity should be. Maybe not even what yourself thinks, because you can be deceived. You could think, I'm not worthy, or I'm not valued. Well, you are. And that's the disciple. The disciple is one who chooses to say, well, my identity is found in Christ. And that's the disciple. And, you know, sometimes discipleship costs. It can be emotional. Choosing to love where there's hatred. Choosing to forgive, even if someone hasn't asked for it. It could be financially giving sacrificially into God's mission, which we've seen a huge blessing in here recently, for which we are grateful. It could be relationally, good and bad. You might have rejection. You know, you might get nothing in return. You might get everything in return. But God sees all of it. And if really, we're doing it for an audience of one. It's living with him and for him, choosing his ways, him first, not me. It's not an easy road all the time. Things go wrong. We don't always understand it. But it's a fulfilling one where Christ says you can have life in all its fullness. Not all the material comforts necessarily, but life in all its fullness found in him. And he helps, he gives us God's Holy Spirit, the supernatural side of God that comes to live within us to help us. And the Bible says, as we do that, therefore the old has gone and the new has come. I've broken with the world. I'm not, I'm in it but I'm not of it. I'm destined to be with God forever. And in the meantime, I live for Christ now. My allegiance is to him. That's where I'm going to stand with. That's who I'm going to stand with, with Christ. And it's fair to say, when you make those kind of decisions, and for all the loyalty that you'll have to him, you have to recognise there's a spiritual battle. There is an enemy, Satan, the father of lies, the deceiver, the one who seeks to kill and destroy, which will always try and turn you away from that. And it is a battle, and it's a reality. Jesus had bold words, and he recognised the spiritual reality when one of his closest followers, someone who would uh, lay their life down for him, tried to distract him from his call, his mission, which would eventually lead to the cross. Found in Matthew 16, 22. You wouldn't want to be Peter at this, at this point. Jesus has explained what's going to happen. Peter doesn't like it. Peter takes him aside. He takes Jesus aside, God himself. And look at this. The Bible says, Matthew 16, 22, he began to rebuke him. 
Peter rebuking Jesus. Never, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Peter's rebuking Jesus. He thinks he knows best. He's rebuking God. Peter knows best. I want to do it my way. What do you know? And as am I a disciple that knows it costs? And I will choose to follow what Jesus says? Or am I going to be a Peter? Who is the one that tells you that you can pick and choose? That it's all about you. You can stay hurt. You don't have to forgive. You don't have to love. You don't have to, uh, you can water the word down and make it say what you want it to say. Distracting, distracting, distracting you in your mission and your call. Who is behind it? The father of lies. And Jesus identifies him. Look at these words for Peter found in Matthew 16 verse 23. Imagine being Peter. Jesus turned to and said to Peter, get behind me Satan. He didn't say get behind me Peter. He saw the spiritual reality of what was going on as Satan's using someone to distract him from his mission. Get behind me Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in the mind the things of God but the things of men. Get behind me Satan. Anything that distracts you from God Anything that you're, you're, you're not willing to submit your attitude or your character, your selfishness, recognise where that comes from. It's because of him. And say, get behind me, Satan. That is a good stop check, isn't it? When I'm, when I'm sort of, I don't know, holding on to something, a grudge or some anger, whatever it is, thinking, actually, I'm quite enjoying that. Actually, it's the work of Satan. Whenever I'm rebelling, it's the work of him pushing my buttons. We have to have faith that God knows best. I am the apprentice. You are the apprentice. Matthew 10, 24 says, No student is above his teacher, a servant above his master. If I have faith, I should obey. Not as in some sort of dictatorship, but actually it's better for me. If I don't obey, it's because I think I know best. And then I'm rebuking God. And God is going to say to me, Get behind me, Satan. And I feel, as we come into this new time as uh, beginning to gather again together, as we come to communion, we're preparing to gather again in just a, a few weeks' time. There's an opportunity to lay it down, come back to God, trust in him, be the disciple, live his way, seek forgiveness, be set free. So, why, why are we going to follow Jesus? John 7, 10 to 41, have a good read of it. I'm going to just whiz through it a little bit, see what we can learn. Uh, so John uh, 7 verse 10. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Verse 12. Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of his leaders. So the first question that's asked, verse 11, where is he? You know, where is he? There's curiosity. And it soon moves from where is he to who is he? And they say, don't they, verse 12, well, he's a good man. Well, he is, but it's a mistaken identity. That's not all he is. Verse 12, he's a deceiver. No, that's, you've mistaken him again. He's not a deceiver. He is a good man. He's not only a good man. He's not a deceiver. You can't be a good man and a deceiver. Carry on, verse 14. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and and asked, how did this man get such learning without being taught? 
See verse 14, 15, the people are amazed, the people that came into contact with Jesus, they knew he was special and Jesus answers their question in verse 16 where he says, my teaching is not my own, it comes from him who sent me. He's saying the teaching is of God. Jesus is not just a man in isolation. He says, verse 17, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Verse 17, choosing to do the will of God. And if you don't, then you know best and you might as well call yourself Peter. Verse 18, whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. So he's talking, he's speaking for the Father. But equally, it's a a warning to preachers all over the world. It's a humble warning that those who speak without the wisdom of God are probably in error. Verse uh, 25, leaping forward. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is, speaking publicly, and they're not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? Now, it's beginning to dawn on them who he really is. Verse 26, is he the Christ? Verse 29, Jesus confirms, he says, Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. And this, this is an amazing thing. He's effectively saying, I am God. And this was what he was getting uh, chastised for. This is why some of the religious leaders wanted him dead, because that was seen as blasphemous. But he unashamedly points to himself. And then we come to this wonderful verse, which I'm kind of focusing everything around. Verse 37, if anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink. Now, when he says this, it echoes the provision of God when Israel escaped from slavery, uh, which, which we see in, um, in, uh, back in Exodus in the Old Testament. And Paul the Apostle talks about it in 1 Corinthians 10, 1-4. Paul says this, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptised into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. The rock is Christ. Now, Jesus invites people to him, his ways, his lordship. He sends the Holy Spirit to help you, to release the idea that you know best. It means giving everything over to him, trusting in him, whatever, because life's not always perfect. He is the source. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So why wouldn't we offer ourselves back to him, trust in his ways rather than our own? Why wouldn't we want to be found in him instead of being like Peter saying, I know best and recognising that Satan is behind that type of thinking? It's true relationship, his ways, not mine. It's the difference between commitment and half-hearted, between forgiveness and holding a grudge, between encouragement rather than discouragement, Building up rather than tearing down. Learning rather than ignoring. Loving rather than hating. I'm pretty sure I do know about you, but I certainly don't want to be the one who who thinks, uh, or be arrogant enough to rebuke Jesus and say, well, I know best. Because we need to recognise who's behind that thinking. Instead, Jesus invites you to live in him. The question is, for us as believers, 
Do we really, really want to embrace that? And if you're not a believer, the fact that he's got his arms open, inviting you in to live in him, to live for him, to know that God knows best. And we've got these wonderful verses now, verse 37 of our passage. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within them, streams of living water. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Well, when we celebrate Pentecost Sunday next week, that is the day where the Spirit was given for all people. And of course, on hearing these words, we're told in verse 40, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Verse 41, it's now becoming uh, apparent. Others said, he is the Messiah. Finally, they've got it. The Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. If you want to find your purpose in life, if you want to have life in all its fullness, stop trying to go your own way. Stop trying to rebel against God. Stop trying to twist scripture to make it suit what you want. Follow God. Be a true disciple. And verse 38 is when we get that kind of belief, that kind of faith, streams of living water, verse 39 says that's the spirit of God will flow from within you. It has to be within you. You have to ask him in. It means a life living for him in all its fullness. It comes down to faith, to believe that he knows better. Even when there are times, which I've got times that I've been through, and even now, that I just don't understand. Like a child who has to have an injection, doesn't understand why mum or dad says, come on, it's going to cause you pain, but it's for the best. Sometimes we go through things, we don't know why, but we trust our Heavenly Father. Not for me and not for you to be a Peter, effectively rebuking God. No, instead we say, get behind me, Satan, because you, myself, are found in him. Streams of living water will flow from within, but we need to be filled. Don't be like the hard sponge that sits on top of the water. Be the one that gets immersed in the water, squeezed, and it soaks up the water. And when you pull the sponge out, it literally, the water flows from it. And as Christian, as we, as we let the Spirit flow from us, we'll leave that wherever we go and with all the people that we meet. Streams of living water will flow from within. So he calls you, even in your failings, he says you're worth it. He says, call on his name. You can stand whatever's going on, even when it's difficult. He says, you're his and he is yours. He says, come to me and drink. So call on him. The Spirit will fill you and flow from you. He says, he will build your faith, take you further than you thought you could go. His presence is with you always. I remember, I'm recording this down the church in that little room at the back. And just next door is what we used to call the Orange Lounge. And I'm not quite sure what we call it now. I still call it that. But I remember going to a way up course, uh, late 90s, or early 2000s. And Bob Allen was teaching it. And I was in his group, small group at the end. And I remember um, uh, no uh, uh, any kind of idea about Christian ministry or training or anything like that. And we were looking at gifts of each other. We'd all got to know each other a bit. And when my one came round, the other eight people in the group all said leadership. And I didn't really see it. I said, well, really? And they said, yeah, you know, you're keen to understand the word. You're keen to answer. And, you know, I took it. I never thought that God could use that. He could take me further than I ever thought I could go as I allowed him to operate in my life. And now I've simply seen 
seek to humbly exercise that gift. But remember his presence is with you. He wants streams of living water, the Holy Spirit, to flow from you. To do that, we have to offer everything to him. Everything. There's no compromise. He'll pick us up when we get it wrong. Of course he will. But let's be true disciples as we seek to begin to look at gathering together again. Let's be that people of God. The old the older's gone, the new has come. The church of Christ is here. Can't wait till we can worship together again. And uh, we're looking forward to that. As we go into communion, maybe this could be a time of uh, maybe a first commitment or a recommitment. That as this time comes, uh, we can say, no, I really, really want to be a follower of Christ. I want to be led by him. You know, the student is not above his master. I want to I be the apprentice. I want to do what he says. And that's where I'm going like, to find life in all its fullness. And I want everyone to watch and see that's going on because they'll see the streams of living water flow from me. Let's just pause as we um, begin to approach communion. We're going to take the bread that, that represents the body of Christ given for you, broken, uh, bro- taken on the cross, given for you, and uh, paying for all the wrongdoings, enabling you to have a relationship with God. And then, of course, the wine, part of the new covenant, that living freely, to say, freely I choose to follow you. It's a time when we want to bring to, to, to God uh, the things that we know we've done wrong and receive the forgiveness. So I'm going to pray, uh, give thanks for the elements and, um, and then I'll lead us in that communion. If you haven't got your bread or wine, just make sure you've got that ready. Father, we thank you for your word. We seek to be an obedient people, not out of uh, anything but love for you. We don't want to listen to the words of the evil one, the father of lies. We want to listen to your word of truth. Fill us again with your spirit as we come to communion, Lord. May it nourish us spiritually, physically, emotionally and mentally. We thank you for the elements, the bread representing the body given for me, given for you. And the wine where it represents the blood of Christ. Who's paid for our sin, sets us free now with free will, but wants us to choose him. We thank you for those elements and what they represent. And in the quietness now, just for a few seconds, Lord, we bring those things before you, before we take this bread and wine. We acknowledge this sacred time is of you and something that you instigated and asked us to do. We thank you so much for your sacrifice for us on the cross to enable us to be with you forever and right now know your presence and live for you. Thank you, Lord. Your word says that you are faithful and as we confess our sins, you forgive us. We thank you, Lord, that your word says there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you paid the price for all the wrongdoings and you set us free to follow you and do all the good things in your name. Amen. So on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and after giving thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we take the bread now, remember that it was given for you. That's how much you're worth. Don't listen to those other messages, whatever they might be. God says you're worth it. wants you to be with him forever. So as you take the bread, eat it 
with thanksgiving. same way he took the cup and it represented the new covenant the old covenant with all its rules and regulations and harsh penalties it seemed couldn't really live up to them so sacrifices had to be made but this was a sacrifice this is now the lamb of god hebrews 10 says that day after day the the priest stands and does his religious duties but when this great high priest offered himself, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why did he do that? Why is he sat down? Why is he not still standing, offering up all the sacrifices? Because he's Jesus. The name literally means one who saves. It's done. And he said on the cross, it is finished. Your sins have been paid for. You've been set free. And we are a group of people, pilgrims, walking together, walking with Jesus. And we're part of this new covenant where there is no condemnation. And thank you, Lord, for that. Can I encourage you that, um, although soon we'll be meeting together, we're not at the moment, but wherever you are, normally after communion in the mornings, we pray for those with pastoral need. So while you're giving thanks to God, maybe have a look at the church notices and the pastoral list. Just pray for people uh, that are on that list. Just give them time, offer them up to God. And in the meantime, I'm going to pray a blessing over you now. Father, I do pray your blessing on everybody who's watching. We thank you for this uh, act of communion, which is so much more than a, a ritual. It's a sacred time for us, a sacred moment. I pray, Lord, everyone who's listening will be so enthused to renew that covenant with you to follow you, to be true disciples, true apprentices. Forgive us where we've not done that. But lead us, lead us, Lord, with your glory and for your name to have that walk with Jesus. Fill us again with your spirit to enable us to do that. Bless your people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.